hello, and welcome to our humble little podcast. I am going to tell you a little bit about it, just as an aside right here. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to quote the immortal J.R.R. Tolkien, immortal just like his elves. He that breaks a thing to find out what it is has left the path of wisdom. Persuasion isn't my favorite book ever written. It's a good book. It's written by Jane Austen, one of my favorite authors. And I do believe that the filmmakers had good intent with their formatting of this film. But I think they disrespected who a character was because they didn't think they could make us understand her. And that's just... don't think there's a better word for it disrespectful hey and you might love it you might love 2022's persuasion oh sorry were you trying to have a guitar solo was that ruining your guitar solo no 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 you keep going no, I th- I think we should stop. I think I think we're good. Okay. Let's let's not let's not guitar solo all over the place. You know, who else should have said I think we should stop? <laughs> um that would be director Carrie Cracknell of Persuasion Fame. Wait, 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 wait. We we're writing this movie. Let's slow down just a second. Just a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 hey, 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 what's going on? What's going on? Ron Bass and Alice Victoria Winslow, one of the most British names I've heard in a while. You deserve to be writing Jane Austen movies. Look at you. What grade are you going into? Gosh. Hey, don't say that. I'm sorry, but you're so young to be writing about such old love. These people are 28. It's they're senior citizens for Jane Austen's time. <laughs> Goodness. Um actress and writer. Um she wrote this. That's it. Okay. Well, and Ron Bass Ron, uh, Ron, what have you done? Whoa. You, you, you are a senior citizen. I mean, that's not a dick. Ron wrote, you are legitimately a senior Ron citizen. Ron wrote Rain Man, My Best Friend's Wedding, mm-hmm. What Dreams May Come. Yeah. Holy yeah. moly. Yeah. Yeah. Untitled, My Best Friend's Wedding TV follow-up? Uh, mm. Yes, please. Sign me up. <laughs> uh, Kelly, in the... Um, I know everyone's keeping up with physical media these days, and I just want to give everyone an update. They are releasing a 4K Blu-ray of My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, so you're wondering whether you're a snob or a knob? No, I already know that I'm a snob and a knob. Um, (laughs) But I already got into an argument someone on an online forum (laughs) about this 4K Blu-ray release. you're too old for that. (laughs) And someone's like, who's going to buy a 4K Blu-ray of that movie? And I was like, uh, me. (laughs) Like, I told them I was so pumped to be buying this movie on 4K Blu-ray. Did they, did they like, throw you a Master Chief emoji where they were sitting on your face? No, afterwards? but his his icon, his avatar icon was from Alien, so... Oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's obvious that he had never seen 
He didn't get it. Yeah. Okay. He just doesn't get it. That's okay. Everybody listening to this podcast gets it. They get it. So that comes out in December, guys. Um, I can't wait. I'll be Barry, at Best Buy day one. You know one. what? I am so excited every single time Ryan gets a 4K. Yeah. You know why? Because that means I get his old Blu-ray. Precisely. <laughs> there is a DVD on this shelf with your name on it. Um, it's actually a double disc with the wedding planner. Woohoo! So you get, you get a twofer. Actually... Do you want my Dirty Dancing Blu-ray? Yes! It's yours! <laughs> <laughs> That's me jumping for joy. Something that I didn't do when I watched <laughs> this movie. Okay, so we're reviewing the 2022 version of Persuasion. Correct. Directed by Carrie Cracknell, written by Ron Bass and Alice Victoria Winslow. Best British name ever. Yeah, originally... Kind of written by Jane Austen. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> super say that she had a great hand in this movie. No. So, Plot-wise, she did. Yeah, so this is a Netflix... I don't know if it's a Netflix production or Netflix acquisition. I think Netflix was all in on this. I think oh, yeah? They, I think... They're like, we're dipping our toes. Let's do we, it. we did Bridgerton. Surely we can do a self-serious... No, no, we can't. <laughs> we cannot do a self-serious Jane Austen. I mean, in a way, this is kind of their... They were like, okay, we have people who are, we have kids who see ads for Bridgerton and might not get that it's inappropriate for young ones. So mm. here, let's make a Bridgerton-esque movie for the Littleies. Ryan, who, besides Richard E. Grant, because we are both Richard so E. Grant. So in love with him. We just, we, we want Richard E. Grant's babies. But since we can't, who was your other favorite casting choice for this film? Oh... And I can't pick Richard E. Grant. No, no, no. He, he won by default. You have to pick somebody else. Um, I for, for me, it's Henry Golding. I guess Henry Golding. Either him or the guy who played uh, Mr. Bennick. Like they, they both seemed to fit their characters. I at liked, least. I liked Bennick. I liked Bennick's casting a lot, even more than Henry Golding. We didn't get enough Bennick. Who, yeah, I, unfortunately, and you know, he's not really there super much in the book either. No, but it's hard to justify him. But he seemed dour in the correct way, exactly. Uh, what, what, who's the actor that played him in this movie? I just want to shout him out Benick, 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 Benick. Where'd you go? Full cast. Let's just control F this. Afolabi Ali. I wow. mean, you are a movie star right now. Yeah, look at you. You're beautiful. You're amazing. Look at that guy. And he's in House of Dragon, Dragon Keeper Acolyte. Okay, maybe oh. not a super so he, serious role, but but he took a he he definitely took a step up in this movie. <laughs> yeah. He had lines. Um, well, let's just jump in. Let me tell you a story. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. Ask you about love. Probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean? That's the end. That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. Okay, so you all listened to our last episode. <laughs> um, uh, I think we need to get a couple things out of the way. Rather than just talk about the story, let's talk about how they're telling the story because it is a, I'm, I'm going to say a fresh take on Austin. Okay. I can, no, I, I can't <laughs> deny that. That's, it, whether I like the take or not, I can't deny that this is a fresh take on Austin. It is fresh. It is kind of like eating sushi, but maybe not the kind of sushi you're supposed to eat fresh. Maybe this is fish that you're like, you, it's like you put a slab of salmon. It's like, it's sushi. It's like, put it in the oven, Carol. 
Like, let's go. You don't you don't just put it out there like that. It doesn't need to be that fresh. Um well, if you're having sushi, what, what are you, where's this metaphor? Have you I had sushi before? I only had sushi once. Sarah <laughs> took me last week and it was a delight. You Did you like it? I liked it. And and friend of the show, Rachel, suggested it to us. So oh. thank you. Love that place. Wait, Thanks, Rachel. Where did you go? Kobo Sushi. Kobo Sushi. Nice. Como Sushi. Oh, Como Sushi. Yeah. I I love sushi. And so I'm so glad that, can can we go get sushi sometime? Yeah. Get like a big bottle of sake? Yeah. yeah. We, we had some sake too. But my, my metaphor is not all fish needs to be raw. Some fish needs to get cooked. Oh, I see. I see. This is like, um, this we is t- some we, uncooked. We fish. took a sunfish, like, yeah. you know, those big ones that are yeah. vertical and they have like the vertical fins. They forgot to cook it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got you. I mean, you don't, I don't think you eat those, but regardless. Yeah. This is fish that you cook. Jane Austen is not someone, something you do super fresh in this way. Yeah. So let's what explain it is, what we mean. Yeah. We have a narration going, but not only is it a narration, which some, Austin that we've seen has uh, our, the Mansfield Park had a, a narration through her letters, right? And which it should be also mentioned, Jane Austen books are not in first person. No, they are not. They're in third person. They are, yeah. And like we we said on last week's episode, this one is third person, like it's it's third person personal, uh, right? Kind of. It's tricky, and that's that's the fun thing that Jane Austen has figure out and so deft at as a writer is there are things that the narrator knows but won't tell you sure and, and there's, that's there's, really important and there's things that a character feels but we know that they we, are wrong about that right because like there's things where things happen and the narrator's like things happened reader but mm-hmm. our main character doesn't know about the things but i just want you to know things are happening right now right but but it's not in but in this movie <laughs> um we have a fourth wall breaking narration direct to the audience every time and me middle child the crack in his looking glass i like the idea of this from a character but I feel like what you need is a very charismatic. I you need I, Fleabag from so the show Fleabag. Fleabag, Deadpool. You need somebody with so much charisma that you just need to be let in on the secret. And 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 in I think also you could maybe accomplish this with an internal character, but who is very introverted because but it should not be that they're winking and nodding at you and letting you in on this secret salacious thing that they have spoken about right because that's the fourth wall breaking is that they're like you are my new friends and i'm welcoming you into my life if we actually met ann elliott as she's written in jane austen's book she she would not do that she'd be like hi yeah (laughs) like she would not want to talk to us or or if she did talk to us it would be like hey I need to let you in on something personal to me. Yeah. And it, her purse, like the way <laughs> I'm not laying. We're a little I, speechless at like how wrong Dakota Johnson's no, like okay, approach. Okay, hold on, hold on. No, no, not, no, 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 I'm not talking about performance. Okay, I'm talking okay, about right, right, right. how this woman was directed. Slow, yes, calm thank you. Thank down. you. I, I have so many feelings about okay, it. Okay, calm down. I have so many feelings. But <laughs> what Dakota Johnson is directed to do with this role has nothing to do with the character that was written by Jane Austen. Not at all. It's a completely different character. They are trying to make her beyond an Elizabeth Bennet. Yeah. They they really did. 
I'm going to say she's not as argumentative or as uh, forthright out loud as Elizabeth Bennett, but she feels like it through her admissions to us. Yes. And it feels like they're really trying to force that she's this kind of feminist icon in the Elizabeth Bennett mold. She's not that. No. At all. Anne Elliott, if we were going to describe her in adjectives, let's go back and forth. Uh, introspective. Demure. Quiet. Kind. Soft. Yes. That's it. That's th- that is that is her in a nutshell. Uh, supportive. Mm-hmm. And it's not that Dakota Johnson's Anne Elliott isn't those things in in name. Like people say that about her. And sometimes we see her by herself, mm-hmm. but she's like Jack Sparrowing about <laughs> yeah. the rest of the time yeah. in a way that completely undercuts that character. <laughs> it's it's as if, I was telling this to Sarah last night, it's as if we meet Frodo Baggins and instead of him reading a book underneath a tree, he's like, in a garage, like <laughs> making swords, listening to heavy metal. Totally. And he's like, hey, Frodo Baggins, I'm here to f it up. He's How's like, it going, Gandalf? He's like, want to fight? Led Zeppelin. I love it. I love it here. I love that music. I went to their concert once. And it's like, what what are you doing? And and it's it's obvious through not just like format, but the way that the dialogue is crafted in this movie, it's filled with a lot of modern, a lot of modern colloquialisms, la- a lot of modern colloquialisms, a lot of modern language that is not used in Regency era England. Maybe you didn't catch this, but it's still set in Regency era England. Yeah. I don't like, know why, because they're s- still using modern speech and they're still. There's nothing There's Regency a, about their values. The, I it's it's so like I I have so many clips that I'm gonna put in this, <laughs> but um, the characters that most break this like Regency era lingo are Mary. Oh, I hate my life. Please understand, the thing about me is, I am an empath. I suppose that isn't really sticking up for you so much as just saying a thing. Mm, you're right. But how do I prioritize self-care with everyone around me constantly bidding for my attention? Un cappuccino per piacere. What I've realized is I need to fall in love with myself first, and then I can truly love those around me. And that's all there is to it. Playlist he made me. As we're moving, I need to think about my bath persona. I think Bath Elizabeth should be less sophisticated than London Elizabeth, but not as free-spirited as country Elizabeth. It is often said of your vibe in London, your town in Bath. Well, just think. You and Elizabeth, you'll be thirteens there. No. Mary breaks it all the time. She like considers herself an empath, or she's like, I'm working on myself right now. Yeah, these are not Regency values. Not only values, Characters but terms like they didn't think like this. They didn't talk like this. And and it's like you can update the language if you're updating the time period. And I get it. Even if if you want to be so pedantic about it to say, let's say let's say it's Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice. Right. I'm sure there's some turns of phrase that weren't aren't quite weren't stripped from the book, and it it isn't exactly Regency. It's era a little dialogue. anachronistic. Yeah, 
but it still feels correct. Right. None of this does. And I th- I have a feeling next month we're going to eat our shoe because next month we're going to watch Rosaline, which is mm. C- Caitlin Deaver as Rosaline, Romeo's ex-girlfriend. There and- is a huge difference, though, because that one is presented as a farce. Absolutely. This, this is, one. We are taking, we are doing a serious rendition of Jane Austen's and, persuasion. And it's like, they're like, it's serious, but with a wink. Yeah. And it's like, you can't do both of those things at the yeah. same time. Pick one. Because persuasion also <sighs> is not a comedy, you guys. I'm sorry. It's, You're trying to make it a comic story with an Elizabeth Bennett, like, proto-feminist who will like not be beaten down in her like ideals and that's not what persuasion is doing is nothing but beaten down until like most of the way through the second half of this book yeah so watching this movie it felt like the people making it are i'm sorry just illiterate the, <laughs> like they just don't understand what they read the complete sin of mr elliot coming out and saying, this is my plot. (laughs) And then it being the thing that attracts Anne to him, when in the book, it's the thing that is like, no, gross. That makes you gross. That makes you evil. Where it's like- In this book, it's like, oh, fucking sexy. But it's like, Mr. Willoughby comes out and he's like, hey, Marianne, I knocked up a girl a little while ago. Then left her for dead. Crazy, right? Want to hook up? And she's like, want to have unprotected sex? (laughs) I might have syphilis. Oh, I am the worst of libertines. How does that do it? How does that you? strike you? Are you into that? You should be. I'm hot. You, Alan Rickman, me, threesome. Let's go. Um, you know, we may sound like like haughty bitches, but it, it's, honestly, it's it's kind of jaw dropping in how much of a whiff this movie is. We should get through what this. It's story a whiff. Is. It's a whiff because it's stinky. Yeah. And, and I want to. It's not the actor's fault. It's it's not the actor's fault. Like it's the I writer feel like and directors. Dakota Johnson did exactly what the script asked of her. Yep, she's a professional. She did what she was told to do. Yeah, and Richard E. Grant and um, like I'm not going to say that in the book um, her family aren't cartoons because they're kind of cartoons they in the book. They are kind of cartoons, but. They are turned up to 11 yeah. in this movie. So, especially Mary. Yeah, so we okay, the movie starts, we get we get a nice lovely scene of a flashback of Anne with Wentworth when they were in love and that was nice and sensual and it's like, it was, okay, hit. it was it was a little it was a little extra sexy for me. It was me, a but little erotic cuz she's like rubbing the grass like, you know, like nipples or something like yeah. it's like, "Oh yeah." And and but I'm I'm okay with bringing a little bit more sex into an Austin because I also think that as a writer for that time period, she doesn't write about like sexy things that are happening. She's not Madame Bovarying around, right. but I can totally imagine a young couple in love holding each other in the grass, mm-hmm. even though they aren't supposed to. Right. Like um, I'm on board right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I still will. And I think this is the whole point. And I think this is why I'm actually at first I was principally just kind of turned off by Bridgerton existing, but now I'm just kind of like, no, I want Bridgerton to exist. I want everything Bridgerton doing. I want to champion what that's doing. Yeah. Because it is creating a new world. Yeah. Right. And and I was at first a little offended of like Bridgerton's scene. It felt like Bridgerton was like, Jane Austen, you need some need some sex like this. But I don't think that's what Bridgerton's about. It's just kind of like, we want to take this world and 
throw some flavor the way we want to do yeah, it. Yeah, they're throwing some cayenne spe- yeah. peppers in there. But Jane Austen and the Regency values that she's in, having her stories in the country, not in London, but in the country, mm-hmm. there are values and there are norms and there are things that you do you do and there are things that you do not do so robin when we finished this movie yesterday was like i very much appreciate the movies that she's seen before she's she watched pride and prejudice she watched sense and sensibility and the amount of dramatic tension mm-hmm. that they are able to build due to the rules and constraints of the world right. that exist in and why it makes characters like lizzie bennett important because they are constrained within the society yet they are breaking out of those molds right and she said in this they might as well have said it in the modern day for the amount of just out loudness everybody was with how they were feeling exactly. and what they thought about people exactly and it, it it she made a good point is it just saps all of the meaning out of setting it in this setting because Anne elliott's conundrum is that she feels so committed to being a woman of of value Mm -hmm. of like her family is an embarrassment and so she overcompensates in her behavior she's gonna she's like i'm going to be the most honorable (laughs) you know what i'm gonna be the most honorable so hard here because the point is her family embarrasses her. Her dad is embarrassing because he says stupid shit and doesn't realize he's saying it. And you know, 90% of the time, Dakota Johnson's Anne Elliot is honorable, but then there's other times where she becomes spiteful. Yes. And like gothic. Right. And and like what we read in Persuasion is we see someone quietly suffer through things and right. we, we, we understand like and- she has no... She has no other choice but to silently suffer. The filmmakers, it felt like the filmmakers were like, I don't know how we're going to pull off a character being quiet. I don't see the drama or the tension in that. And so we need to have her be like, um, you know, Charles liked me more first because I'm getting drunk right now. We'll get to and that it's... scene. But <laughs> you don't even have to go watch the 1995 version of Persuasion, which is just by all accounts, the definitive version. Go watch Emma Thompson's Sense and Sensibility. Yes. that Also is, written by an actor. Yes. That is how to pull off the adaptation. I would almost argue, I know you're particular to Pride and Prejudice, but I think- No, I think the best adaptation, like strict, mm-hmm. is Sense and Sensibility. Because in Emma Thompson's acceptance speech, for her, for her Oscar, let's just get the, like, uh, the awards out to show how well that script is. Mm-hmm. She's, she complained about the president of Sony Pictures was like, can't these women get jobs? Um, to Sidney Pollock for asking all the right questions, like why couldn't these women go out and get a job? Um, why, indeed. And Emma Thompson had to explain, no, this is what was going on, and explain that's why it's dramatic. Right. Because they were limited. They were struck down. And... This movie likes to talk about that. A lot of modern movies like the characters in this in in their stories to be very self-aware about how much that sucks for them. Yeah. And 
I like to see that rather than have characters be so self-aware in the dialogue. Right. I think you can do it and I think it can be done well, but in this one, it was such a squeaky hammer and there was no squeakier hammer. It was a manifesto. This movie wasn't a story. They were just saying it sucked for women back then. And like, I know, yeah, I know you don't have to remind me, but if you are going to remind me, remind me in the, in in the cinema of it, don't remind me by characters being like, you know what? As women, we can't get jobs. I'm like, you all fucking know that. <laughs> you know that because you're living here. You don't need to tell each other that. Yeah. Like, and we as audience members are not that stupid. Show me in ways that I haven't thought about this. Um, Show me in ways that I take for granted some other aspects of Regency era life. I think there was a, a well-intentioned part of this movie. Gosh, we haven't talked about the story. <laughs> There's a well-intentioned, I want to say... There's something implicit in the well-intentionedness of trying to make these characters more of characters rather than like like people that lived on the periphery of Anne's life, where Lady Russell is a character in the book, but she's really there, gives some advice, Mm -hmm. leaves, comes back later, and is there again. Mm -hmm. But we don't know that much about Lady Russell, really. and. There was so much bad dialogue given to Lady Russell. Yeah. Where she was like, I'm sorry for persuading you. (laughs) (laughs) And then Anne's like, yes, I allowed myself. And then she turns. She's like, which that camera? To to be be persuaded. persuaded. You're angry with me. I'm angry with myself for being persuaded. And I was persuaded to give him up. The truest evidence of an inferior mind is to allow oneself to be persuaded away from one's deepest convictions. Lady Russell is like, well, you know that in our era, he wouldn't have been able to pay for your livelihood because you're a woman. You didn't know that, Anne. (laughs) And Anne's like, I'm actually probably the character in Jane Austen that reads most. (laughs) So probably I knew that. Let's get into the story. So... Uh, it won't take long because I already told you the story last yeah. week. So why don't we sum if, up? If you want, well, there's a lot of scenes to explicate still, but we don't need to linger the way we did with last let's, week. Let's let's do. Can we do this where we do broad strokes? This is the story, and then we jump into the scenes that um, we want to talk about. We can try. I, I do want to kind of paint a picture of these first couple of scenes, though, because I think it is um, emblematic of the movie that it is. Okay, so. We see the we get the flashback of them together. It's mm-hmm. very nice. But then she tells us what happened. Yeah, um, uh, Captain Wentworth was persuaded away by Lady Russell, and so they didn't get married. All well oh, and good. No. Sure, okay. Tell us that. That's good to know. Um, then we meet her family, and she flea bags the whole scene where she's right. she's telling us this, which is totally against the spirit of the book in the first place. Because Anne is supposed to be like totally hidden throughout this like first, the first three chapters. We she's not around, her. and the whole point is that Anne is like. Just not seen by her family. I would love to have seen her in the background. Yeah. And like we we focus on her, but it's just that she almost doesn't say anything for the first 10 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) So we meet Richard E. Grant's. um, He's not Mr. Elliot. He's what's his full title? He's Sir Walter Elliot, not Mr. Elliot. I would love it after. So we have um, who's the newest doctor? We had Jodie Whittaker, then. 
Oh, in uh, in Doctor Who. Well, now it's Chudi Gatwe. Yeah, if after Chudi Gatwe we got Richard E. Grant as like an oh old doctor, God. oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Peter Capaldi's like, I'm the old doctor. It's like your old news. <laughs> um, so we, this is actually the one thing that they got pretty right was the vanity of Sir Walter Walter sure. Elliot. And, they cartoon they just it up so hardcore yep, because like there are like bunches of servants around and he's talking to them about how much Mr. Elliot is quietly egotistical and then presumptively egotistical in other in front of other people where right. he's like you guys all know how important i am yeah so they're hamming this way up which again if they were making a farce like we're gonna see in sure. roseline it would totally work yes but they're not making a farce no they're they're in a drama i thought honestly for the first like 10 minutes of the movie i'm like oh is it is this gonna be like a goofy take on it and maybe if you <laughs> Like, Persuasion is such an inappropriate choice to do that in, unless Mel Brooks is doing it. Sure. <laughs> because if it's Mel Brooks's Persuasion, yeah, I would it, buy it. <laughs> if Adam Sandler was doing Persuasion, sure. Or, or or a Muppet version, where it's like, all the characters are Muppets except Dakota Johnson as a human being. <laughs> that would be really good. Then, then, it would make sense. Oh, I just can't wait to meet her. She is terrific. And besides that, she's a real foxy lady. <laughs> Foxy lady. But no. This doesn't make sense here. So, so he has like 25 servants. Like yeah. it's it's absurd. It's, it It is ridiculous. And they're all like listening to him go on about himself. And then we get Elizabeth who is just, again, Yol- Yolanda Kettle, you're very pretty. But the, like she is supposed to be prettier than, mm-hmm. than uh, Anne Elliot. And I have a problem with filmmakers that say, ah, this character is just not as pretty because their hair's ruffled. <laughs> yeah, like I can I can grok like uh, 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 Rosamund Pike. Yeah, being, that's why I was bringing up being seen as prettier than Kira Knightley. Yeah, they're very close. Yeah, but they're both one, two of the most gorgeous people in the world. But at the same time, I can be like, okay, I can see like everybody in the room being dazzled by Jane and then Elizabeth just, you know, flying a little bit under that radar. Yeah. But Dakota Johnson is so beautiful and And so outspoken in all of these scenes. Yeah, where, why, I can't why imagine her hiding it? or being hidden behind Elizabeth at all. Yeah. Uh, so we meet the family and that's the family and we understand that Mary exists, but we haven't met her yet. Yeah. Um, and so then these like um what are they called when they repossess all your stuff? Just march in and steal his stuff. Yeah, it's is, efficient, I guess. <laughs> it felt very Dickensian where they're yeah. like, this is mine now. Get out. And it's like, Richard E. Grant just looks confused. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm confused too. Yeah, but I, I mean, I want to hug Richard E. Grant. He's so amazing. I just love him. He, he's playing a horrible character, but he's great. Yeah. Um, and so they have the conversation. He has to retrench. Um, but then they just keep kind of, they water it down so much. You know, this movie, yeah. this whole movie reminds me of this time in high school when we had a, did you have student teachers? Yeah. Um, I had a student teacher in 11th grade. She was teaching. Um, These are like college kids that come and teach. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they, this is how they get their training. And she was our, I can't remember if, was it just, it was social studies plus we were reading literature too. So it was kind of like history and literature we were studying. And so we had to. I think we were doing just 20th century history and we were doing Great Gatsby mm-hmm. was one, one of the assignments. And so instead of reading The Great Gatsby, she read to us, not The Great Gatsby, a book 
that was a modern retelling of The Great Gatsby, hmm. which didn't make sense because we don't have prohibition. <laughs> <laughs> and so they had to like make up this new version of prohibition. So this book was just terrible and it's just lit it was literally a great gatsby but told in a modern vernacular okay even though the great gatsby is not even well maybe it's 100 years old now but when we read it 15 years ago it wasn't 100 years old and and, and it's was, not like it's hard to understand the great gatsby i was sitting in this class and i think i verbalized this why aren't we reading the great gatsby <laughs> like i couldn't understand. she's like i think it's more of the okay gatsby That's she's why. like this is a better teaching tool i'm like I'm going to have to disagree with you. Like, as a 16 year old, I'm like, I really don't think so. And that's what this movie feels like, where it's dumbing it so down. And nothing is more like exemplifying of that fact is in the book, there's this scene with um, Lady Russell and Mr. Shepard trying to convince Richard E. Grant, um, Sir Walter, like, hey, you got to. You got to, like, figure out what to do about your finances. You got to rent your house and stuff. And in this, Mr. Shepard and Lady Russell are like, are like so aware of how stupid and silly Mr. Elliot is that they're almost admonishing him. Yeah. And it totally loses the drama of the actual scene that Jane Austen wrote, which right. is this Sir Walter Elliot is a person to be respected and he does have a little bit of power and it's not but only until... because he has power. Like right. it's not necessarily, but like they, there's no, sense that lady in the book that lady russell and mr shepherd don't respect him yeah and they're tr they're smarter than him they're trying but, to get their ideas to him and yeah. sir walter's not taking it until Anne's like dad think about it this way yeah. and that's what happens in this movie but there's no dramatic reason for her to do that it's just her turn in the scene to talk yeah <laughs> and and like at one point in time richard e grant's like wait do we give money to the poor and lady russell's like oh my gosh yes of like that's a good thing or something and he's like how would i why would i be want to it's i don't know like you said it's just turned up to 11 yeah so they retrench and um and has well they immediately get i understand they have to kind of like zoom through the plot so yeah. they immediately get the crofts to rent out their house and they start talking yeah. to crofts and you know what? crofts are nice i love especially the actor who plays mr croft i was like Sir Admiral, I want you in this movie more. <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're good. And they just suddenly start talking about how, oh, my brother Wentworth's coming to town, and Anne's like, "What? I know." And she's like, "I I know heart. him. And, I know him." And and even before this, we've we've had like Anne diving on pillows, being sad, and taking sad baths, and getting drunk. And it's like, I can imagine Anne maybe having done some of these things by herself, but it's weird seeing her do them because we don't get any hint of it in the book. So but I never that's not her personality. Yeah. I, she wouldn't, she'd at least, she would cry into a pillow, but she wouldn't dive on it. She would just like sink into it. So and she's cry quietly. She's very much behaving like a, you know, two thousands rom-com lead of like, yeah. Oh my God. The guy that I dumped years ago is coming back. What am I going to do? Yeah. Like that's yeah. how she's milling about in her room. <laughs> not at all. Anne Elliot's this no. is in the book. That's not what Anne's thinking. Anne's thinking in her to herself very quietly. Well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's she, all she's thinking. She's like, I don't, I like, if I see him, it's going to be really embarrassing. It's going to be really awkward, but I guess I'll deal with it. Yeah. But Anne's like, 
uh, what am I going to do? And then she talks to Lady Russell and she's like, it's been seven years. You should be over this. Get dude. over this. And Anne's like, oh, how can you say that? I'm not over it. I can't believe I let you persuade me not to marry him, <laughs> which was not her like throughout the book persuasion. They, she doesn't regret that decision. She no. regrets that it happened, but she doesn't regret being persuaded. And in the end, she always believed it was the right thing for her to do in that time. Yes. So this is inverting what that book is about. There's a lot of inversions in this. Um, okay, beep, 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 beep. I'm going to press a button here, and we both need to say something that we liked about this movie. Uh, I like the cinematography. I Here's loved that. the cinematography. Good. The lighting in this movie, the color palette... Mm-hmm. was gorgeous they did a great job it's a shame that it got wasted bing 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 okay we can go <laughs> uh so they go upside down on what this story is about already right um because that's not what Anne's problem is no <laughs> and and but then she like ends up over at uh mary's house which you know happens in the book she's there to take care of mary and and it's... they present Anne as like Hi, Mary. Get I, a load of my sister, guys. It's like, that's not how Anne felt about this. I mean, and she does not. She thinks her sister is a chore, and she doesn't like taking care of her. I can believe that about Anne, but she's so sassy about it. Yeah. And that's just not Anne. And <laughs> Sarah's watching. She's like, I don't like her. Yeah. I don't like Anne. And it's been it was so long for her since she read the book, so she couldn't even recall what they were like breaking the rules about. She's like, I just don't like who this woman is, and I don't like seeing her. I don't want to know what happens to her. I, I think part of the problem about making her family so cartoonish is that by proximity, we don't have to make Anne super good. Yeah, because like, they make all uh, the other characters just rotten. And uh, so this is my my big number two sin of this movie is they make the entire family rotten but every other character besides mr elliot is superficially so nice yeah and so kind and so wonderful yeah and like all of them are just so great yeah and you're not adding dimension especially it's not really to flat. anne's character it's just very flat you're like so what they what they do is they bring in uh, the sisters Henrietta and Louisa, who are barely characters in the book. They're plot points, mm-hmm. and they are they're people that vie for the affection of Wentworth. Yeah, you know, um, that's certainly and in true. the book, they're like both Henrietta and Louisa are. Yeah, and there's no sense of competition. No, in, because there was a lot. There was just so much question of like, well, who's he going to pick? Yeah. And in this, they're like, no, like they both love each other and they're perfect and they're so nice to Anne and they're so considerate of Anne's feelings. And like there's a whole subplot in this where Louise is like, Anne, I'm going to like push Mr. Wentworth into you and to like you guys should totally date. It's like, where are you getting this? Like, why are you doing this plot? Yeah. And here it sounds actually like a a plot from Austin, like like one person being like, hey. I know the perfect person for you, but then that person ends up falling in love with that person. Sure. Yeah, I can I understand can the Emma-esqueness that you're trying to go for, but it's so inappropriate to Anne Elliot's character. Yeah, no, I, I nothing <laughs> against that at all. It's just that like Louisa is so perfect yeah. that I don't believe her jumping off the rock. And this is 
a sticking point that nobody will be able to move me off of. Uh-huh. Louise is basically like, Anne, go date this guy. Anne, you should really date this guy. Oh, you know what? You don't seem so interested in him. I guess I'm going to date him. Oh, he really likes me. Okay, we're we're basically going to court. It looks like he might propose to me. And these and conversations, I'm, by the way, feel more like it's following the rule book of Mean Girls. Yeah. Where they're going by, or 10 Things I Hate About You. But, but in a in an... In a very Austin slow walk kind of way. It's Austin slow walking the dialogue, but the vernacular is super mean girls about it, where they're not going about it in the norms and rules of Regency country living. Yeah, it's it's very much like, let's just talk about how we're feeling and stuff. And I saw you were feeling this and I'm feeling this. So what do you want to do about it? Not... Not at all. <laughs> but, What's going on here? But we have a character in Louisa who is so considerate, just like the most considerate, kind, smart, witty. She's also a heroine of this story. And then, yeah. and then for some reason, she wants to jump off a rock. The scene totally falls apart. Let's not jump too far to that. That's yet. what she should have done. <laughs> she should have jumped farther. Uh, but the the problem with the what they what they're doing with this movie is, and it's the dumbest of all tropes, is character won't say thing about thing, and it's like why not? You guys are being so upfront about everything. Explain what you mean. Anne doesn't tell Louisa that she had a past with Wentworth. Yeah, she doesn't tell. Anybody. Why not? Yeah. Why not talk? You're to being him? so upfront about all these other elements that you're saying. Oh man, if only they could just be upfront with it. And so you're being upfront with all these other things. This is the only element though that is akin well not only element but it is like the central element to Anne's actual character yeah where she's yeah she does not talk about it she doesn't talk about it because there is something to her discretion Mm -hmm. there is a politeness in her being discreet around Wentworth because she doesn't want to like expose that she broke his heart yeah and so in the story of persuasion she is quiet and meek and modest and mild around these other people so as not to upset someone like Wentworth who she still respects or or like color other people's opinion of him right she right. she doesn't want to ever give the wrong wrong j- jive of who yeah. he is and you know what there is a funny scene where he shows up um at the house and she's like drawn a mustache on herself and i love the the comedy of that scene is delightful but the execution of how they're like talking to each other is is weird because i can you know, this is probably not your fault, fault, fault cars, Cosmo Jarvis. I, maybe it was just my TV. <laughs> I couldn't understand probably a quarter of what he was saying. You need to put on your subtitles. It's time. <laughs> no, no uh, I could understand literally everybody else in the movie. Yeah. But he would. He'd always, he 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 talks like this. Well, he was. I've lived with a thousand different imagined versions of you over the years. Some to rail against. <laughs> It was like he went to the uh, Colin Firth School of Acting, but like also got a slur in there. Yeah, and uh, I just, I, I just wanted to understand more of what he was saying because Wentworth is supposed to be like nobility incarnate, right? And why you have Kieran Hines? Why you have Kieran Hines? There's, there's (laughs) another. Who's the guy who plays Harville in this? Oh yeah, Harville's good. I felt like he would have been a great Mr. Wentworth. Yeah, I liked Harville. Um, but it, w- it wasn't it wasn't Harville brother, it was Harville father, right? Isn't that what the original story was? Was it his daughter that was what? engaged? Captain Harville had a daughter 
that was engaged to Benick, not his sister. Or maybe I missed it. No, no, no. It was always his sister? Yeah. I always imagined Harville being older. Harville felt really no, young there, for me. There, no, no. Har- yeah, Harville, Harville is just another captain. I, I don't okay. know. I didn't, I didn't see him as being older necessarily. Okay. But. I don't know. In my, anyway. in my mind's eye. Sure. Uh, so we get the context of this. Wentworth is coming to hang out with everybody. Right. And Anne tells the camera, hope springs eternal. Yeah. I am going to get him back. And it's mm-hmm. like, no. No. That is not what persuasion's about no. at all. She's she has lost him. She knows that there's no way that they can get back. She she might have like a two percent hope yeah. that that will happen. But, but really, she's just like I voiced. just need to get through this visit and yeah. not embarrass myself and not, not embarrass, embarrass him. him. Yeah. That's that's all I want to do. But the story shows her doing the inverse of that, and she like. Uh, there's like this party where Wentworth is across the street. She's nursing um, Mary's <laughs> child because you know Mary's a terrible parent. That's yeah. that's true. That's that's yeah. in the book. I mean that's yeah that's pretty legit. But she is drunk and she yells at Wentworth across the alley. So uh, this makes her such an inconsiderate character as well because she's in a room with a sleeping child who's injured, and what she does is get drunk with that child and then looks across and yells while this child is trying to sleep through a broken arm. Not even Marion from Sense and Sensibility would have done something this silly. Yeah. And and then she's like, hey, yo. And then she like ducks and it's like, what are you, what What? are you doing? Like, and here's the thing. Dakota Johnson's acting in the scene is fantastic. Like the way she spills the stuff on her. I'm like, the comedic timing of this is perfect. (laughs) It just doesn't make any fucking sense. (laughs) Uh man, it does remind me when I was directing some scenes for Emily and like there was a scene that wasn't working and I'm like, I fucked up. Because like <laughs> they were doing exactly what I told them to do. I'm like, the scene wasn't working because I told them to do something stupid. <laughs> and we had to rejigger that scene. And that's what's going on. The entire movie is like, they, the, all of these actors are incredible. Yeah. All of them. They're great. Uh, so anyways, she kind of makes a drunken mess in front of Wentworth. Then there's another dinner scene where... There's this big dinner scene where they're all sitting down to dinner. Wentworth's there. She's there. She's trying not to say the wrong thing. Again, it's very like Mean Girls territory where yeah. there's a lot of like eyeballing of each other. And they're and like, there's like, ooh, uh. There's some snide remarks from Wentworth to her, like kind of yeah, under the table so snide. not Wentworth. But, uh, but later on, she's like, he's been so polite to me this whole time. <laughs> I'm like, no, he wasn't. you weren't polite to him. He wasn't polite to you. I... Like in name, in dialogue only is what you're saying true. Yeah. And then there's this gag and this is such a silly thing to get upset by such a little gag, but it just shows how like it doesn't make sense what they're doing with this movie where she was going to sit next to Wentworth, but then she gets cock blocked by Louisa or something no, like that. She cock blocks herself. Then Louisa's forced to sit there, oh, which is okay. why it doesn't make sense. And then so she loses her seat. And so she scrambles for a seat and people keep on sitting in the seats that she's going to take. Yeah. This doesn't happen in Regency. No, politeness. there are very specific a, places where you have to sit. There's a hard and fast protocol for this. It's still studied. It's written in books. And even, so they even in the country, even if you're not like at a huge manor house, like there are still unless you're at a family house with a family gathering and there's no guests but there's like places where if you came with people you have to sit in specific places yeah and they're servants so she wouldn't scooch her own seat in this doesn't make like why are you setting this in regency era if you're just going to ignore all the regency rules and like dakota 
Dakota and basically scoots her chair in little by little by little by little. And it's like in a farce, this would make sense. But the fact that like we're supposed to be taking this seriously right how, now. How are we supposed to take your world seriously? If you like, that's the thing. Again, you're. We're two heterosexual dudes who love rom coms. Okay. Yeah. We are slight diamonds in the rough anyway. But for us to get this upset. This upset <laughs> over a movie? It's a disaster. Like, I don't want to be this upset. It, it, it just shows a complete misunderstanding of the dramatic tension of your Regency, Regency storytelling. <sighs> Uh, anyways, they have this awkward they dinner, have a dance. and she, she she plays for them. She plays piano. That's, that's correct. That's they correct. got that well. Yeah, um, like like her watching them dance. That's and her playing. You, you I was nailed like, this it. Is you great. got that. Yeah. Um, but there is this awkward scene we hinted at earlier where she she kind of like stumbles out this of oh my brother in law wanted to marry me first, um, but he married Mary instead. Charles wanted to marry me first. What's that, Anne? Um, uh, just speaking of marriage, um, <clears throat> remember how Charles wanted to marry me before he married Charles? I mean, Mary? Sorry, Charles, um, before she married, but sorry, before he, of course, he came to his senses and married Mary. Please go on. You'd like us to understand that your brother-in-law once preferred you to your sister. That's true, yes. It's true. Yes, it's mm. quite right. Mm. And I really like the guy who plays Charles, but again, yeah. they just made his character perfect. And it's yeah. like... like yeah, he's a nothing burger. He's a nothing burger. But in the book, at least he's he's not only nice, but he also like does actually not want to spend time in the house with Mary ever. And again, they only service that in name, but we just have this nice character who's being nice and yeah. it would just be nice if he like was seen as anything other than nice. Yeah. So had like, some dimension later on, she's playing with the kids and they also get that part, right? She's very good with the kids. She is, yeah. Um, and there, she's playing French revolution with the kids. <laughs> they start beating her with sticks. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, they're actually beating her with sticks. <laughs> I do have a question. I, I was a little confused and maybe this isn't the movie's fault, but I thought it was an odd choice. And maybe this is another regency stories and maybe it's okay. They're playing French Revolution, which the whole point of the Navy back in the day was to fight against Napoleon. Sure. So England was like furiously fucking mad. Yeah, but they were fucking mad at France like yeah. this whole time. They were either mad at America or France. They they just had problems with both. And they were they were just dealing with the Napoleon. So they're she's playing with these kids. They're playing French Revolution. Mm-hmm. As if it's like cowboys and Indians, but it seemed like the French were the heroes in this little game that they're playing. The the Revolution ones were. Yeah. And she was the queen. And it just, it felt a little weird that they're playing French Revolution when they've been having so many skirmishes with France. It'd be kind of like, let's play Russian, like, Cold War. Like, it just felt, I don't know, it felt kind of odd. It. I get what you mean. It would kind of be like if today kids were like, hey... We're going to play Ukraine versus Russia. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm I'm like, okay, I know what side of that I want to win and stuff, but it, it would be weird if I saw kids doing battles like that. Right. Like where it wasn't like super, well, okay, French Revolution, 
time period wise though that's the 1790s this is 18 1810s yeah and again the whole point of the Jane guess, Austen stories is to celebrate this especially this book is to celebrate the sailors and their fight against Napoleon yeah but i i think it just was weird it was, it was distracting it was, it was weird, weird but i i i can see kids in the 90s playing like vietnam so maybe if it's like removed enough. Yeah, maybe. It yeah. was weird. <laughs> um and then she starts to talk more to Wentworth and they play with each other, I guess. Um, yeah. but I can't even remember what they talked about. You know what scene I really liked actually? What? I I liked the premise of it. She Anne Elliot is like they're on a walk and she like at one point in time is like I need to pee. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, I love that this is a thing that is the inside baseball of ah, oh, it's hard to pee in a dress. You go on era. a three-hour walk. You're gonna have it's to gotta pee somewhere happen. in the forest. And so I'm like, I like this, but why are you doing it near where you know two other people are and you're talking? Yeah, They're zip talking. up and move along. Like, go find a better <laughs> spot for this. You need a new bush because not only are you eavesdropping now, which Anne wouldn't do, but you could get caught. Yeah. Like how em- how embarrassing how would that be? How are you following? Uh, I'll, I'll stop. They I'll sh- get off that rock. Like it would have. It would have really just been simple if she started peeing and then they walked like by and it was like, oh no, I'm trapped in this situation. Right. But no, it was like I chose the situation yeah, in which to trap I'm just myself. Gonna stick with it. And the conversation he's having with Louisa, he's like. I don't know about that, Anne Elliot. And Louisa like defends her to the to the core. And it's like you don't need to make Louisa so amazingly perfect. Like this, but also that's not quite Wentworth's attitude. Wentworth no, was ever. pretty just agnostic about yeah. Anne, and Anne extrapolated every word from him. And her psychology is how she thought it, what it meant. Right. And he's like, what does he say? He says. Your face seems hardly changed, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like he hates me. He hates. Yeah. Me. We're like, and and now hold on, <laughs> and like, there's such a density of her feelings throughout this, and she's just taking every little word. But this movie's giving us all of this stuff where when it's like, I don't know about Anne anymore. She's blah blah blah. And it's like didn't yeah, think her that word means nothing. But in this, you you get why he would feel that way because she's been acting like kind of a tool. Yeah. So I guess. And I then, guess you can do whatever you want now. <laughs> they, and then she like hurts her foot. And then um, there's some bad dialogue where she she's like, it's almost just like I've fallen flat on my face. And then she does. And she's like, see, I've fallen flat on my face. And it's like. Like, I was laughing so hard. I almost fell off my dinosaur. I'm like, it's just so stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think uh, do you think there would be a Mystery Science Theater 3000? For this movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do For it. sure, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, she she gets a ride home, but then they decide we're going to Lyme. Yeah, gonna go on a little beach trip. And there's a lot of good walking scenes in this. Yeah, like I like the framing of the walking. Yeah, we meet Harville and we meet Captain Benick, um, yeah. and that's great. And what else do they do on the beach? You know, her and Benick have their scene yeah. together, and then uh, she she says something to Benick that that Wentworth overhears and then he meets her on the beach later when she's staring out at the sea, remember? 
Yeah, there's a beach scene where he's like, take care of yourself. You're really cool. I like how you're very responsible and a professional lady. And you were like, you know, you're and you're also nice to, to Benick. And that's nice to I, me. I like and, that. You're cool. And you can be my friend. And she's like, oh, you're f- your f- yes. friend. Like, she's not mad about it, but she's like inwardly like, oh, that's the last thing that I wanted. Yeah. And it's like Anne would have been overjoyed so that's all she wants with him is just to be friends and just to have peace well, that's not all she wants well but it would be but that would be a boon yeah and but she treats it mean girl style where it's like friends i don't want to be friends well she doesn't no she doesn't even say that but we just see it all in her face right. that's yeah. her that's her feeling. and then he walks away and she's like what i'm gonna do now is go <laughs> swimming in the coldest water that <laughs> god put <laughs> on this right. earth and i'm just gonna look <laughs> fine <laughs> like it is insane. Please, filmmakers, live in reality because this would have been a great scene. It's not in the book, but I would have loved Anne Elliot, like just accepting this moment and like like baptizing herself in this water and it being cold, but her forcing herself to go through it because it would have been a really good metaphor for how lingering and able she is able to linger through pain. Sure. You know, you could have done anything with it other than just have her go for a swim for no reason. Anne would never have done that. Marianne would. Sure. Because she sees the rain and wants to run through the rain. And that's where I think these these filmmakers don't understand who she is. And don't understand England. (laughs) You don't do that. Walking through a rain because it's romantic makes sense. It's just rain, and you can, you know, try to Elizabeth Bennett your way through the situation. Like, sure. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's yeah. fine. But if you're swimming in that water, it's going to be cold. You're going to die. Yeah. You're going to die. You have to, like, did you see how long of a walk it was back to wherever their cabin was? You're dead. These are very frail people. <laughs> Marianne went on a walk through the rain, sprained her ankle, and almost died. Oh, no. I mean, no, no that wasn't even... So when she sprained her ankle, well, like she was saved, but her. she literally just goes on a walk in the rain for three hours and then almost dies. She didn't even <laughs> sprain her ankle. She's just almost dead because she was exposed. That's walking in the rain. Anyways. Uh, <sighs> and, and okay, then, of, then now we can talk about it. Oh, then Louisa's is like, I'm jumping off this. And it's like, movie Louisa, you make no sense. Yeah. Book Louisa, you're kind of stupid. Yeah, and book Louisa is so like flirty and all she she wants to do is she just wants that Wentworth and like we get when she's like hey catch me catch me we're like yeah this makes sense mm-hmm. um but this Louisa is so measured and thoughtful yeah and like her jumping once I'm like okay but the way she does it a second time is also stupid the blocking of the scene is stupid filmmakers I'm sorry it was you should have done better done terribly also there's before then just to talk more about louisa she is talking to Anne, and she's like this is how you flirt with men oh yeah you be stupid act like you don't know anything because that's how and she like looks in the camera that's how men expected us to act in the day of the regency era and she literally tells Anne, act like you don't know what a fork is and then don't tell them who you are until two years into the marriage and then Louisa's whole character, other than that, is so forthright and kind and honest. And it's like, these are not the same people. No, and it's also, we get it, movie. You're trying to be so hardcore in your feminist messaging, but you're so hardcore about it that you're missing the whole point of Jane Austen's aspect as a feminist writer, that she's showing these characters existing in these 
in these times and they're quietly rebelling against it, don't just have characters be like, this is what men thought we should be like. It's just... Like I said, squeaky hammer. Oh, man. Um, so I just want to go back to the jump really quick. Catch me, Captain. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, that was your warm-up. Once more. No, Louisa, that's enough. No more. I'm jumping, so either catch me or don't. Louisa! It's terrible. Because... The blocking is Wentworth is like 15 feet away from her. <laughs> yeah. It's and like he caught her the first time when he was like, you know, directly <laughs> under the stairs. And then he walks 15 feet away and she's like, I'm going to jump. She doesn't even jump tw- out toward him. She jumps directly down. <laughs> like completely misses. Like, like not like, even aiming. Like 10 feet away from him. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> and then Anne is like there. And earlier in the movie, I think it was in the beach scene. He like telegraphs that Anne is good at taking care of situations. He's like, Anne, you're a responsible human you're being. You're great in emergencies. And then later <laughs> on, she's like, I'm an ambulance. Pew! I don't know how many times I'm going to say this. And I don't know why I have to tell this to people who made a movie for Netflix. The rule is show, don't tell. And don't like, don't tell in your foreshadowing. It's like he turned to camera and he's like, later. And will save the day. It's like Ron Howard comes in. He's like, this would be helpful information for us to understand. <laughs> this was a management tool. Okay. Uh, so they nurse Louisa. And then there's a spat where Mary's like, I'm staying by Anne. And it's like, all right, you're acting like you're in Mean Girls. You're acting like a plastic. You're not I mean, acting. And Mary like is this. that 24-7. Yeah. You're not acting like a Regency era selfish narcissist. You're acting like. Karen from yeah. the plastics. And uh, I think Mia Mia again does everything that is asked of her who's playing Mary. Oh, also what grade are you going into, Mia yeah. McKenna Bruce? You look like a 10th grader. Like there are times You have two children. You look like you're 11. There are <laughs> Okay, not 11, but she's very young looking. She is. There there are times when they are on their walk where like she doesn't want to go to see Charles Hader cuz he's a a blip in this book. Um <laughs> and and they rename him Henry Hader. Yeah. Henry Hader. Henry Hader. Why? Why? But she's sitting there and everybody else is standing around her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she looks so young compared to them. Yeah. And here's, hey, uh, I I don't, it's got to be tough as an actress. Like, I don't know what age she is, but it's got to be tough if you look super young to like pull parts that you want to pull. Yeah. But it it, it goes both ways. You can still play high school characters. It did not feel like this woman had two children. Not at all. Not at all. Can you actually... Can you click on her right now? I just I'm curious as to to what age she is. And I bet it won't tell us. No, 1997 has two children that are 10 and 12. I'm sorry. Wait, so that makes her 26 right now. I if she got married at 16 and started having children right away, but. Every other character is like age appropriate for the character that they're playing. This is uh Wait, Dakota Johnson is not 27. Is she? I th- um, Dakota Johnson's in her got to be in her mid 30s by now. Oh, she's our age. Yeah, okay. Oh, so she's Jesus Christ, we're in our mid 30s. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I'm it was a it was a weird weird casting choice. Yeah. No, she's a good actress though. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, okay. So she goes home and oh yeah, Penelope. this is when they this is when we meet Mr. Elliot, played by Henry Golding. Oh yeah, and he's like, "You look nice," and they actually have dialogue, which totally ruins the moment. Yeah, because in in the book they like eye each other, and he's like, "Sup?" Yeah, and she's like, mm, oh, "Sup?" Sup? <laughs> and but in the book he's like. Or in the movie, he almost comes out and says what you said last Very episode. Very nice. nice. <laughs> He's like, Pardon me. I think I'm in your way. Perhaps he can correct that. She's got a great <laughs> ass. And uh, Wentworth's like, got a problem. It's like, this kind of confrontation yeah. is fine in like a John Hughes movie. Like, this is this yeah. just doesn't fit he, here. He's he's almost like, hey, you are in my girl. Yeah, want to fight about it? <laughs> And Henry Golding has to demure and be like, you're right, that was inappropriate of me to say hello. Yeah. Hmm. It's like, that doesn't even totally make sense. Maybe I'm missing something Regency era there. But yeah. I don't know. So they figured that that's Mr. Elliot. And then, so she's now hanging out back with her other family, Sir Walter and Elizabeth. She talks to Lady Russell. They have this like thing where it's like, Lady Russell's like, I'm super sorry for persuading you not to meet Wentworth, but... I just oh. thought it was appropriate, but you know, time heals wounds, so deal with it. And then everybody's like, a sailor is marrying Louisa. Yeah. A sailor is doing it. They make this very weird, vague context of a sailor is marrying Louisa, and Anne's like, Wentworth is marrying Louisa. And the movie's like, mm hmm. Totally. And then Lady Russell is like, yes, that's what's happened. Yes. Um, and there's these illusions where Lady Russell's like, I'm a loose woman when I go to the continent. <laughs> that was so silly. <laughs> and it's like Lady Russell is supposed to be the height of propriety. Yeah, that's, that's not... why she doesn't. That's one of the reasons she doesn't approve of Mr. Wentworth is because he's more <laughs> casual. I feel like I need to set everyone down. Like I need you to understand this. It's not that they couldn't print it. It's not like they were. It's not like the 1950s and they wanted to be more sexual in these stories, but they just couldn't say. No, Jane Austen was just this prudish. Like these characters were just this prudish. That's yeah. just the society that she was living in. It's not like she wasn't allowed to, because writers were writing sexy stories back then. You just had to be French. And and not only that, like if you want Lady Russell to become like this, make like if you really want to give this to her screenwriters, you're like, hey, I need her to be a sex pot. Make it a thing where she was like, you know what? I missed my husband and I took a tour of Europe and it changed me. And it's like I could maybe buy. Right. Maybe. Right. And that's why you have Sense and Sensibility written in a way that it's like you have a character like Willoughby who is virile and like we kind of understand that he's sexy and mm -hmm. has a sexual history and like yeah. that's what's going on with Marion and that's there's this kind of like Freudian panic of what's going on with between them and yeah. we're always a little worried about that. It's just that. super dangerous for women back then to get pregnant. Like that yeah. is a huge deal. Yeah. And not that it isn't today sometimes. But a, a character like Eleanor, it's not It's not even like Eleanor's like, oh, I, I, I just don't date because I don't want to get pregnant. That's not no, it. No, She has a lot of values that back up why she behaves that way. And all these characters have values that indicate whether it's Marianne's values or Eleanor's values that dictates why they act like sure. this. Lady Russell has values in the book that co totally go against what you're doing in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it just basically makes her a non-character because you're saying, ah, she's like, don't don't go be 
you know, with somebody because, you know, it, it ruins your future. And and she's like, oh, but I'm just going to go sleep around because whatever. I don't know. Because, it, 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 again, it feels like this kind of like manifesto of like, let's 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 unleash these women. Let's let's let not them be tied down by these puritanical values. And let's they just, were tied down. They were. That was the whole That's point. That's the thing. They were. And, That's the conflict. And if you I, if you want to make a story like a portrait of a lady on fire. Or something like that, where it's mm-hmm. like we are we are actually characters who are breaking the bounds, and we see them actively rebelling against yeah, it. Yeah, then then that makes sense. Don't make it an aside. Don't like slowly masturbate over the course of the movie. <laughs> like that's that's not that's, that's not telling us anything. That's you being like, but they weren't actually repressed. Yeah, it's, and like, it's like they were. There, I mean, there there were. I'm sure there were bunches of people who like broke the rules but generally not in austin novels and it just feels it does feel like masturbation it feels like it's just wish fulfillment of like oh but what if these characters were unleashed the way that we're released today yeah do bridgerton that's why that's why we have bridgerton or do a farce i think you're in the wrong classroom bridgerton's across the hall do do a 10 things i hate about you yeah where it's like i can bring it to the modern world where we're changing the rules a little bit and find that restriction somewhere else with a f- like, you know, with that one, it's like there's a dad who yeah. is keeping something from happening, which is the same, but it's a slightly different context. But there's also characters having sex willy nilly. and making. But that's out. what's infuriating about some kind of bastardation of this is Jane Austen's feminism is proto feminism in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's important as a stepping stone. These characters whether you have Elizabeth Bennett or Eleanor or Marianne or Emma or Anne, mm-hmm. they're all heroines for this flavor of feminism. And they all are their own people in their ways. Anne is very different from Lizzie Bennett. Oh, but yeah. They're very heroic in different ways. Yeah. And they balance each other out, which is why why we love to be Jane Austen completionists, because we get this tapestry of strong female characters. And Anne is the most quiet one. But there's showing a heroism and a dignity to that quietness and that softness. And like I said in last week's episode when we read the book, still waters run deep. I adore Anne Elliot in the book. This character, I... I mean, I don't even know this character super much because I get the I get the impulse to let a character who isn't talking a lot in the book let us know her feelings. Mm-hmm. But she needs to not talk a lot then. <laughs> like she needs to not talk to us too much, but she can't talk to everybody else very much at all. Yeah. Like she needs she needs to stick by that core tenant of her character. Yeah. So the movie goes on, the doll rimples show up, the crazy cousins, and there's awkward scenes and Mr. Oh Elliot. God, the story about the octopus. I was like, I half love this because it's like Sometimes I have this dream that a giant octopus is sucking my face. And as I struggle to get free, I realize that my my hands are tentacles and I can't push it off. And then I realize, of course, that I am the octopus and I am sucking my own face. 
it's it's kind of a hilarious moment, but again, it belongs more in Mean Girls. It's so absurd, and just kind of has this aside about I had a dream I was an octopus once. Like, and and, then, and would never do this, and no woman in Regency era England would do this either. Not even Marion would do this. I don't know. <laughs> and then Mr. Golding is like, I like octopuses. Let's talk about tentacles. <laughs> but but it's weird because that scene is written well like his response and like covering for the weirdness is like oh i guess that does make you a little charming if this was not a jane austen story and it veered way more off course the way a bridgerton would go Uh maybe i'd be be into this me too i i just think in a in a different telling of a uh, of a different story i dig this scene yeah it just doesn't belong here yeah maybe if they were halfway between austen and bridgerton where they they very like on the on like, the paper, we're like if, we are not doing if you historical make, regency. <laughs> if you want to make a Jane Austen esque, not full farce, but just like you know, get silly with it. Yeah, call it expectations, which is the <laughs> name I came up with last week. Yeah, and make a different story. Yeah, and it, and it's kind of like doing an Indiana Jones, where it's like that's not actually what it looked like in World War Two. That's not what act like. Hitler didn't actually steal the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> you know, that we know about. We're not trying to sell this as like a gritty, like this is not right. Saving Private Ryan. This is there's a reason this is why an action adventure fiction. There's a reason why Raiders Lost Ark looks so different from Saving Private Ryan. Same director, but very different, but same eras and same like uh same bad guys. Yeah. So if you want to do that, do that. Do the Indiana Jones thing and be yeah. completely off off the rails but mm-hmm. uh. so mr elliot's just kind of sniffing up Anne's tail now. yeah oh, he just keeps hard. hitting on her and wentworth's like Ugh. yeah and the more he does it the more Anne's into it and then there's this weird scene the one in the the cake shop uh, they, they were all weird to me i didn't see yeah <laughs> well it was just that like she sees wentworth and Wentworth's like i'm in town and i might leave but i might not i don't know and then Mr. Elliot comes in and he's like, by the way, I'm Mr. Elliot. And that's kind of what he's like in the book. He's always trying to like lean in and be like, hey, I'm here. But he calls her a beautiful creature. And then there's this moment where she's like, don't call me a creature. And they have this pattern that is straight out of Mean Girls or something like that. Yeah. It's it's this weird thing where it's like. We'll play it for you right now just to show you. Just so you can understand. It was on the count of being struck by this dazzling creature please don't call me a creature <laughs> this dazzling um... woman woman well what's wrong with the creature we'll talk about it later and then like the whole time they're like on board with each other and then we jump to this scene and it's kind of like he's a annoying boyfriend absolutely and, and, and again it shows Anne being like taking charge of the situation and being like don't call me that yeah. and it's like no that's not who Anne is at all Stop trying to make her your feminist poster woman. She is a feminist character. Right. But, but not, not in that way. At all. So basically, <laughs> like, you know, Wentworth's like, I want, uh, do you want to, do you, uh, and then they go to a concert and then Henry Golding's like, oh, sorry to interrupt, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> jumping in here. And then he's in the most batshit idea ever. That it, I think in the whole movie, and maybe this at this point in time, you were just numb to it, but he decides to interrupt Wentworth and Anne when they're on the stairs and 
clearly having a personal moment and he's jumping in between them to make sure that they don't get together. Yeah. And then right after Wentworth leaves this moment and like Mr. Elliot turns around and he's like, by the way, I'd love to marry you. Just yeah. think about it. And he turns around and, and the fact that she considers that at all beautiful, romantic, a reason to be with anybody like she is on her face in her words. She's like, mm, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's like, how, how do you find any of that attractive? Yeah. The other thing that happens is that she, he, Mr. Elliot tells Miss Clay. Yeah. So Miss Clay, like we tell in the story of persuasion, Miss Clay is someone who's kind of around Sir Walter Elliot and everyone's kind of worried that she's going to try and marry Sir Walter. But Sir Walter's like, I'm not going to get married again. And even Anne's like, I'm not going to worry about it too much. I don't see that happening. And Lady Russell's like, I don't know. I'm kind of nervous of this lady. So near the end game of this movie, (laughs) Mr. Elliot, like Anne's like, why did you show up all of a sudden? He's like, oh, well, here's my evil plan. I don't want Lady Russell marrying your father. No, uh, Mrs. Clay. Or Mrs. Clay marrying your father. Because it would mean an heir, then I wouldn't get the estate. And I don't want that to happen, so I'm not going to let it happen. By the way, you and I should get married. Yeah, and Anne's like, hmm, sexy I like that. Mm. (sighs) Okay. Uh, um, so against like the most against her character out of anything in the book yeah, and or in the movie doesn't I was waiting for Mrs. Smith to show up her friend who mm-hmm. she who she talks to and gossips about and gets the real skinny on what's going on with Australia she doesn't show up so I guess I'll just yeah, skip Mrs. ahead oh, man, to the end Mrs. of the movie Smith. I like Mrs. Smith yeah so, so the movie goes on and She's like, ah, maybe I'll marry him. And I guess, yeah, his evil plan is to not let Mrs. Clay marry my dad. Okay, whatever. And so she's hanging out with the gang again. Um, and she talks to Harville and they have their conversation about who loves longest. And, and it's it's good. It. It's not as good as in the book, but yeah. it's still good. And then Wentworth gives her the letter as um, per custom for this book mm-hmm. to screen adaptation. And she, she reads it word for word, and it's great because it's a great letter. It's the best writing in the movie. Dear Anne, I can listen no longer in silence. Anne, you pierce my soul. Dare not say that man forgets sooner than woman, that his love has an earlier death. I am half agony, half hope. I know you are to marry Mr. Elliot, but I will never forgive myself if I do not tell you this. You alone have brought me to Bath. For you alone, I think, and plan. But of course, you have not seen this. How could you? Because your love has not lasted as long as mine. And... I have loved no one but you. And I don't think I ever will. But it's from <laughs> the book. It's lifted directly from the book. That she runs after Wentworth. And uh, listener, I don't know what's it happening. Was, it was my favorite scene in the book because she's beside herself. She doesn't know what to do. Charles clocks this and is like, let me take you home. Yeah. And then in the book, Mr. Elliot's, or not Mr. Elliot, Wentworth swoops in. And he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? And then Charles is like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> take her home and then they like finally get to tell each other like because propriety allows him to be like i love you you Mm -hmm. read the letter like i'm 
like I was given permission to walk you home. Let's do this. Yeah, half and hope, half agony. In this one, she runs to him, and, and she, f- oh, you know what she the- sees on the way there? Okay, it would have been fine. She runs to him, they kiss, great. But no, she <laughs> sees Mister Elliot making out hardcore on the side making of the street out with Mrs. Clay in the street, and then she maybe, said, maybe, <laughs> maybe in the slums of London, this is chill. Yeah, this is not chill. In the countryside living a, a of these bath. of nice pure, I don't it's, know they're puritanical, no, but these but, nice little Christian people, this is not how people behave. No, I mean especially somebody like Mister Elliot, who's been high all, class, all class and proprieties. Like fuck it, I'm gonna make out with Mrs. Clay. Oh, and I, even though Anne's around the corner, who I don't. Cares? I don't want to say he's Mister Classy, but he is all about class. He's showing. He's trying like, to portray class. Yeah. And and then what Anne does is she's like, hey, all the power to you. I don't need you anymore anyway. This and is runs. an aughts rom-com beat. This is yeah. not what we come to Jane Austen stories for. And it's too convenient. And it's doesn't make any sense. And uh, okay. wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Tell tell me your plan again, Mr. Elliot. You don't want Mrs. Clay to marry Sir Walter Elliot. Right. So, so you're, you're gonna, gonna make, out with her. make out with her. Yeah. But you're also gonna marry and what's what's your game, pal? Yeah, fine. because then you marry her later, and that's how you you get her money. Should was that your plan? Then was to marry her? Why are you betraying your plan to marry Anne if you were gonna be ma- macking with her? Did you really think she was like? Is this a fair of the heart kind of thing? No, what's I think, going on, man? Like I, I in the in the the book, Mister Elliot would be playing two sides of the coin, right? Yeah, he would be like, okay, I'm gonna. Make Penelope think I'm into her. Yeah. And so much so that it like makes her say, No, Mr. Elliot, I don't want or Mr. Sir Elliot, I don't <laughs> want to be with you. And then um on the other side of that coin, he'd be like, Okay, Anne, let's get married. Right. And it would have just been a dalliance that she never knew about. But in this, he marries Mrs. Clay. Yeah. For no reason. So apparently he loves her. Yes, because because they excise Mrs. Smith, we don't get the full story of <laughs> Mr. Elliot was actually poor and mm-hmm. destitute and was desperate he for money. This. He needed money. He needed his title. He needed Sir Walter's inheritance. And to go after Mrs. Clay is saying, I need Mrs. Clay's money. But we don't know that he's poor. This movie version of Mr. Elliot isn't poor. No. He has no reason to go after Mrs. Clay's money. No. Because we don't get any there. of that because you cut all that stuff out. So she runs and she's kisses Wentworth and movie's over but the, the the kiss let's talk about the kiss for a second it's it, they're, they're doing good kissing but her arm gets in the way of the kiss part of the time and i'm like come on guys <laughs> this is like your moment yeah get the get the blocking right filmmaking and then the great monologue at the end like like a lot of a lot of jane austen movies end with a wedding that is not the wedding you think it's going to be uh-huh. like with uh, sense and sensibility it ends with um Alan Rickman and Kate Winslet getting married mm-hmm. rather than Hugh Grant and Emma Thompson, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, oh, but but that that's perfect because now everybody's married and happy. Right. And in this one, Anne's like big diatribe about love and tenderness and waiting. And uh, instead, we get all the characters we don't care about uh-huh. at Mr. Elliot's wedding. Which, in the book... Mr. Elliot is in a long line of Austin villains. Right. He is he's in a rogues gallery alongside Willoughby. Wickham. And Wickham. 
Um, and whoever the shithead is in Emma. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we 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 don't want to celebrate this union. We don't want to celebrate him. He's yeah. a dick. And because especially because in the book they run away to London together. They don't get married, but he's like protecting her, right? As as an unmarried woman, right? And it, it just sounds devious whatever yeah. he's doing. But in this one, they're like in love, man. Like even even bad guys need love, and <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree. I think love would fix a lot of things in this world. Mm. But I don't want to see his wedding at the end of the movie. I don't like him. Yeah. And then yeah. they, they sit on the same hillside and snuggle each other. And then she winks at the camera twice in the last oh, scene. Oh, God. It's like, why? <laughs> pick, a, pick, a, pick a moment, movie, to end on. Yeah. Um, that's persuasion. Kelly, what'd you think? Okay. For the, for the ability of the actors and for the absolute dedication to costumes and coloring, which... I, I thought were both fantastic. I'm going to give this movie a one and a half stars. Okay. I, I despise it. Yeah, I'll give it one star. Um, the one star is for the fantastic production value. Looks great. Costumes are fine. Uh, the, the glassware, strangely, was distracting. They had like <laughs> Ikea glasses. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Not even close, guys. I, I, I wonder if this is a, a much cheaper movie than I imagined it. But like, if you go watch, go watch the behind the scenes for the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, there was so much dedication. They literally built insides of houses inside of other houses in order to get the era correct. So good. Like, you don't, you don't know. And in this movie, there were like houses that they're like, we're going to this house, and it just looked old on the outside. Mm-hmm. They didn't make it look era appropriate which is hard if you have a lower budget so i wonder if that's the case but i don't know it it just felt besides the costumes except for lady russell lady russell's costumes felt modern and like kind of a um who's the director that i'm I'm thinking of that you don't like boslerman it felt (laughs) boslermany we know so each other yeah i know (laughs) And, and so it felt like you guys were given this great opportunity. Like an Austin adaptation comes once every 20 years, basically. And you you miffed it. You you lost. Um, just go watch the 95 version with Kieran Hines. It's wonderful. Kieran Hines is delicious. I almost want to watch it tonight just to watch this out of my taste buds. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, let's We're going to take a break yeah. and then we're going to come back. We need it. Yeah. And we're back with, nope, we're not even doing trope nope. talk. We were denied a good movie, so we're denying you trope talk. We're not even going to rhyme the word Ryan just said with trope. We're not going to do it. We're not even doing that. Nope. Um, the movie's too terrible. We already talked about this story last week, so we're not going to linger any longer. But I am going to say our Patreon, we're going to skip through it real quick today. Our Patreon, Ghost One, of Ghost. course. Peace Swayze. Love so him. Thanks, patrons, for voting. We're going to watch Ghost next week. Mm-hmm. Very excited about it. Ryan, what's your essay this week? Okay, so my essay is about my experience with you. Me! <laughs> um, we're working on a script right now, and um, it's something Sarah always gets nervous about when we like take on a challenge. She's like, mm-hmm. I, 
she I need want... you to not lose your friendship with Kelly. I'm like, it's fine. We can handle this. <laughs> we're, and we always do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we, we have a couple scripts actually we're batting around and we're writing them in kind of different ways. And so uh, my essay this week's about the triumphs and the challenges of collaborating on as writers with one another and being really good friends with your collaborator and what merits that brings. Because it would be really interesting. I think this is in my future to bring on a writer to work on a project that I'm producing. Mm-hmm. I'm saying mm-hmm. this is this movie we're doing. I'm bringing you on because you're talented and I trust you and I need you to help with sure. this thing. This can be a very different working relationship versus us. We have so much history and probably four or five times a session I can reference a movie. I can start a reference to a movie and you'll be there. I finish your sandwiches. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, but like Ryan and I are, it's a very unique working relationship because neither of us, I would say, are the hardest nor easiest people to work with, mm-hmm. which is kind of what makes it the right spice. Yeah. Where we both have very strong opinions and we will kind of hammer those opinions into steel and see which one is is the steel and yeah. which one ends up going off with the the shaft the chaff uh but, sure yeah <laughs> I, I like it only because i think it's we found where our talents truly lie and we're like really moving into those roles mm-hmm. and we get to push each other in those yeah. roles and it's very helpful because i know that i as a creator would never be as good as i am without you oh ditto it's both necessary and when I don't have it, it challenges me in a different way yeah. where I'm just like, shoot, I need I need to take the lessons I learned from Ryan and apply them to whatever I'm doing now. Yeah. Like, where, where is the Ryan yelling at me right now that I don't have? Yeah, there's <laughs> definitely scenes where you're writing and, and like you write a line, you're like, nope, Kelly's not going to go for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm very picky about dialogue. <laughs> well, no, it's not even that. It's just kind of like you see something, you're like, that was lazy. Like, I know mm, my yeah. like peer group is going to like call me out. Exactly. I used to have a running partner and... The the only reason I kept running sometimes is because they kept running mm. and it kept it was kind of like keeping me honest. Yeah. And that's what you are to me artistically. Nice accountability partner. So that's that's the essay this week on our Patreon. We will have a new poll next week. We will have a bonus episode soon for Gilmore Girls Gilmore Girls season five. Very excited about it. Um I won't say how far behind I am, but I have met Logan. Oh great. Finally. You <laughs> so at least I'm got to episode progress. three. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've met Logan several times now, okay, so great. I'm making progress. Uh, so that's the Patreon, patreon.com slash gents. That brings me to a pretty important question. A really good point that you're about to make, maybe? Yes, on my pointy golden sword. A blessing from the Lord. God be praised. The Golden Sword. Richard E. Grant, take the sword. Just take it and run. Yeah, do whatever you want with it. You have the sword. You can make it what you will. You can rule a kingdom. I don't care. But Richard E. Grant, you're a god. I'm giving it to Dakota Johnson's costumes. <laughs> I liked the blue. I liked the white. I liked everything she wore. It was like I would I would date the girl who wore those things mm-hmm. way into it totally those the the costumes themselves like <laughs> like dr strange's cloak 
could use a sword. Yeah. Um, I don't know what was up with that bunny she had as a pet. Okay. That was weird. Was it? I So it's not in the book, but I was like, I like a character having a bunny, but was it a symbol for her sex? Like she was just like, I'm keeping my sex close and reserved because bunnies are symbols of sex. Oh, are they? Okay. Like, cause you know, they procreate a lot. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know what it was. I, I'd be interested. Like that would be like, okay, here, I'm going to. Hi. Hey, yeah. Um, uh, director. Hi. Uh, um, thanks for coming to the conference um, about rom-coms uh, and your movie. I was just wondering if you could elucidate why Anne had a rabbit the whole time that she was petting. Well, we were going with uh, Sheepdog originally, but um, the Sheepdog got rather rabid with the uh, rest of the cast members. So Richard E. Grant brought his pet rabbit in, and we thought that fit. How, how many times did you have to do like CG replacement of the dog? Like, or did you go back and refilm the entire movie? There was 217 shots we had to replace, but much like in Star Wars The Last Jedi, a lot of the shots were, you know, reusable because we just took those those little puffins and replaced them with porgs. In the same way, we took Mary and we just replaced her with a bunny rabbit. Oh, well, wait, Mary? Yeah, she was a dog originally. <laughs> oh, the, the rabbit sounds better. Indeed. Okay. Thank, Thank you for your time. Thank you. I will not be taking any further questions. Uh, well, would you take a rom-com Oscar? I, I would take one. I'm sure. not going to give one. You have to. I'm okay. sorry, but we have to. Like I said, best cinematography. Yeah. Movie great. looked great. I'm also going to concur. I just, it looked really good. And <laughs> I, I wish the editing complimented it. As such, you and I have worked on enough movies now where we will do a good job on a thing that the movie itself is not that good. Um, and we just kind of like when we're working in our positions, like mm, I can't uh, yeah. control how this is being directed. Yeah. So I'm just going to do a good job. And like, I feel like the DP, maybe he loved what they were doing storytelling wise. Maybe he didn't, but it kind of doesn't matter. Like he's like, hey, we're on, <laughs> we're at the beach. I got a purple sunset. Things are going to look good. Yeah. And maybe the director had a great hand in that. Maybe this is one of those directors that is like a tech director. Yeah. You know, just real. But I don't know. Yeah. But, but there's some fantastic compositions and really good shots. And I like for as as little sense as the beach scene made. It, it looked great. Really pretty. Well, two best cinematography awards. Um, that's two more awards than I ever think you would get. But I must ask now. Who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is, I loved you from the first second I met you. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul. And I love, and love, and love you. I know. Gonna go with Mr. Harville. Oh, okay. He is a fantastic gentleman for the couple moments that we met him. <laughs> well done. You make a good impression. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's in the movie in two scenes. He cares about his friend, Mr. Bennick, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He's Rob, as soon as Robin saw him, she's like, a big leprechaun. <laughs> I think it was because he had like a small vest and a top hat on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in in the end scene, he's like, you know, throwing some some 
shade back and forth at Anne about like uh-huh. gender politics and yeah. stuff, and I'm into that. I'm going with Louisa because she's a babe. Oh man, Louisa is a babe. I'm I'm still miffed at the the fall though. Yeah, that was that but, was a real knock against but her. What? Sorry, what is what is Louisa's uh, actress name? Where'd you go, Louisa? Nia Tal. We don't even. See, we, she doesn't even have a headshot. Oh, okay, great. Well, she will soon, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, she was really good. Um, I would like to see her play a a role role. Yeah, at a certain point in time, like, like a bread role. Like no, no, like a no, real like role, a, like a real role. Oh, she's brand new. First credit in 2019. Woo. Yeah. Um, brand new as if she was manufactured. No, she brand debuted new. brand earlier. new as if she would make sure that your system was regular. Um, brand mm. new. I get it. Okay, well that's persuasion to everyone who watched it. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry, and I'm sorry that we just went off on it, but we needed to get stuff off of our chest, otherwise it would just be boiling in there. Yeah, and again, one more time, gonna you know put one up for persuasion from 1995 with kieran hines go watch that this movie should be retired and if, never seen if you're in the mood for more austin obviously there's ang lee's sense and sensibility you can watch the bbc version of pride and prejudice or the joe wright one both great or just read a book um because yeah. this movie is kind of like saying you don't have to read books you can just watch a movie of it and it's just do yourself a favor and read didn't it feel like the cliff notes as written by Regina George? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is by Regina George. <laughs> well, I'm excited to watch Ghost next week. Going to get more peace ways in our yeah. life. Love it. Um, well, Kelly, I love you so much that I will go to the ends of the earth to destroy this movie so that you don't ever have to watch it ever again. Thank you. And I'll definitely jump off a rock before <laughs> I'm made to watch this film again i'll catch you oh thank god and this is where we will say goodbye ryan and kelly must bid you adieu thank you for listening to our review rate and subscribe we'll even take a bribe See you next week on the Gentleman's Guide to rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs>